Hello everybody, I'm going to be sharing with you three secrets to share the gospel with your unbelieving family members. You know those family members who you love so dearly and you just wish, you long for them to accept Christ and to accept the faith that has just transformed your life. You know the family members that you see and that they're just not interested in spiritual things and you're just like, how? My burden is for my family. How can I reach them? How can I get through to them? Well, I'm going to be sharing with you three secrets that you are going to want to put in your tool belt to share your faith with your family. So secret number one is don't give them a Bible study. Now, wait a minute. That sounds kind of counterintuitive. What do you mean? How are you going to share your faith without giving them a Bible study? Well, here's the thing. When sharing with your family, this is when actions speak louder than words. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1, it describes how these wives, they can be in subjection to their own husbands, and if, and if their husbands obey not the wor word, so they're unbelievers, but they also, without the word, may be won by the conversation of the wives. So that means that the wives have the ability to win their husbands to Christ. They're unbelieving husbands, and, it, and it's without the word. And it may not be through giving a direct Bible study to your family, but through the conversation. And in the Bible, that word conversation means lifestyle. It's through the actions that especially our family is going to see Christ. They want to see a transformation in you. And this is the greatest witness that you can possibly be for your family. I remember in my experience, I was, when I was growing up, I was a rebellious kid. My, my, I was disobedient to my mother. I would just not listen to authority. I would be getting in trouble with the law. And, and my, my family, I, I had one aunt that called me the devil child. They called me pure evil. I remember my aunt came over to visit. And she's like, why is your son just so evil? I don't understand. People were upset with me. And my sister, who I love so greatly, and I respected, but I didn't really show that, she, she couldn't stand being around me. But I wanted to be with her. I was a younger brother. So when she'd go out with her friends, I'd be like, hey, can I go with you? And she's like, no, you stay at home. And she did not want to be around me. And, you know, that, that bothered me. But, I mean, looking back, I realized, yeah, I wouldn't want to be around me either. That'd be, I, was, I was one of those kids that was like, mentors would kind of like take me under their wing and be like, oh, you need a dad? I'll be a dad. And then I was just so much to handle that like, okay, you know, I, and they just stopped showing up and then they give up and people would give up on me often. But it wasn't until I hit rock bottom. I was, I was with my friends. I was at a party. I was drunk high. And I was just like, man, this is the worst that I've ever been in my entire life. When was I the happiest? And instantly it was like, oh, it was when I was on fire for Christ. I was like, what? I want that again. You mean to tell me I had the most joy, the most peace, the most love when I was on fire for Christ? It's like, wow. Well, if I had it before and then I lost it, then the problem was probably not with God, but it must have been with me. Something I did was missing in this equation. And I uh, sought after God. I was saying, Lord, what must I do to have a relationship with you? And he was showing me his love. He was showing me more of what God has done for me. And I was so revived in my life 
that I wanted to, to change because God wanted me to change. This is different because before I would get tired of pushing away the very ones that I want to bring near. I was tired of people not trusting me, tired of people not wanting to be around me. And I, I wanted that acceptance and that love from the family, the, 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 you know, the warm family embracing and instead of like the, just the, um, you know, the, the challenges and, and the upsetness from, from the different family members. Like my mom was a trooper. She was there and she was very patient in many ways, but, um, the rest of the family, they had a lot less patience for me. So there's a few times where I try to change and I remember I wanted to help with the dishes, take out the trash and just be more participating. I'd be like, I'm different. I'm a changed person. And then I'd let them know it's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to do things differently and that's what I want to do. But then it was just like the moment I would mess up, it's like, snap, you're the same unique. You're never going to change. You're always the same way. And, and you are so this or that. And, and like my sister would just just pile down and people they wouldn't see the change and because they wouldn't see the change it would discourage me and it made it really hard to be a better person to be different and so I just you're like you you're right I'm, I'm the same Enoch yeah maybe I won't change maybe this is too hard and and I would just go back to the same ways and then a few years later I'd try to change again and go back to the same ways and it was just this vicious cycle but it wasn't until that time where I had a better understanding of the love of God for my life and then my motive changed. I wanted to be different because God wanted me to be different. And the thought crossed my mind. I thought, well, what if I change and my family doesn't see it? I, I thought about that and I realized that doesn't matter. I'm going to be different because God wants me to be different. And even if my family doesn't see it, I'm still going to serve God because that's who I am called to be. And when my motivation for reform was the cross, then I'm telling you, it was like my family noticed overnight that I was a different person and I was being more kind. I was being more helpful. I was consistently just more joyful and saying less, uh, just my, my words changed. And within a week, I had one of my family members, I was visiting them, and she, I remember very vividly, we were outside, it was a sunny uh, summer day, and I was there with my best friend, we were sitting uh, by her, we were standing by her vehicle, and she was on the other side of her vehicle, and she was looking at me, she's like, Enoch, there's something different in you, you're, you're glowing, what happened? And, and this, this aunt, she didn't profess to believe in God, she was never religious, and I shared with her, I said, I found Jesus. And he is my best friend. He changed me. And I was just beaming with the love of God. And she saw that. She's like, I see a difference in you. And not much longer, like, during that time, I was like the talk of the family. Because I was like that one black sheep, that one child that you're like, yeah. I don't know if God's love can touch that child of the devil. He's pretty bad. There was one time that my aunt that called me a devil child, she called up my mom. And I just so happened to be sitting next to my mom. This aunt um, has a voice that projects, and I was able to listen to this conversation, and she said, uh, Enoch doesn't realize it, but because of him, I have hope. I have hope for my son, and I have hope for myself. He doesn't realize how much his 
conversion means to me. And I was just like, whoa, she didn't realize how much that impacted me. That, and, and then I, I realized, to many people, you are the closest thing to Christ that they have in their lives. You have the ability to impact and to represent Jesus in your home. How you act, how you treat your unbelieving family members is going to make a direct impact on whether or not they are drawn to the love of Christ through you. It may not be with words that you make the change. Like before, I would, I would say words that, oh, I'm different, I'm changed. But it wasn't until my actions were consistent and my actions showed there was a changed life. And that is what had the drawing effect that was bringing hope to the hopeless. Your testimony, your experience, your life, that will do more in converting your family than all the Bible studies that you can give them. Your family lives with you on a daily basis or they know you. And so to be able to be consistent and show them love is so tremendously valuable in being a light to them. And then eventually, um, like I have family members that call me up when things are going bad. Um, some of my uh, family is getting off of drugs and they, they call me and they're like, hey, I want what you have. I want a life that you have. Please tell me what to do. I, I want to be a Christian. And people call when they want prayer. People reach out to me when they need encouragement. They know that my consistent life is something that they are drawn and attracted to. And not if, but when they are ready, they know who to call. And that makes a powerful impact. So my first suggestion to you is don't give them a Bible study. Don't think that the way you're going to win your family is with words. That's not the only way to share your faith. Your lifestyle can be a sermon. Number two is find out their love language. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, first of all, Jesus said in John 13, 35, By this shall all your family, it says all men, but we're looking at your family, by this shall all your family know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one for another. It's the love consistently shown that's going to have that drawing effect. A matter of fact, look how God draws us. Jeremiah 31, 3 says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I draw you. Jesus said in John 12, If I be lifted up on the cross, I will draw all men unto myself. So it is the love of God. It is the cross of Christ. It is a self-sacrificing love that is exemplified, that is shown, that is demonstrated, that has a drawing effect to Christ. So the more that you could uplift Christ, through that love, then it will make them want Christ in you, the hope of glory, as Colossians 1 describes. So in order to communicate to them, uh, this may be different, this may be new to you, but there are five love languages that different people speak, and you might find that the way that you're trying to communicate love is not really the language that they understand the most. So it's essential that we identify what are the love languages 
that that my family member, the one who I'm seeking to reach, is um, more receptive to. And the more you can identify what resonates with them, you're going to be able to reach them better. So these five love languages, here they are. I suggest writing these down. So number one is quality time. Number two, acts of service. Number three, words of affirmation. Four, physical touch. And five, giving gifts. For instance, you might find that in in trying to express love to your family, you are you're you're buying them things, you're giving them things, your your way of communicating love is that you are thoughtful and you're thinking what do they need and you're trying to supply them need and you're giving them um, gifts to help them and, and and you're showing love but they might feel that you're cold, you're um, uninviting, unwelcoming, you're you're not you're not spending time with them and if as you see that if you what they communicate as love is quality time they want to be able to spend time that you you guys can be together you can do something meaningful or even just being around that is more meaningful to that individual than receiving gifts but you wouldn't know that you might be high on giving gifts they might be low on giving gifts so it's not really resonating very well it's like if I'm speaking Spanish and you're speaking English I could be or I'm speaking a language you don't understand then the, the communication is not really being received well it's not really benefiting you or me we're not speaking on the same language so it's important if you identify what resonates with them you'll be able to express that love and be a representative of Christ and point them to the source of love I've heard it once said if you know K-N-O-W, if you know God, you know love, because God is love. But if you have, but if, if there is no God, N-O God, then you have no love. So really the only way that we can really express love and experience love is that it comes from God above, who's able to share this with us and communicate and use us as channels. So if you'd like to know what your love languages are, you can you can Google the five love languages quiz. There's a quiz for that and it's very simple that you can go through. You can find out what languages uh, mean the most to you. For me, uh, words of affirmation was very low and um, acts of service was like a 12. It was really high. Um, and it's it's very interesting and then physical touch for me was very low and and quality time was somewhat higher it was like a six so you're able to identify and understand a little bit more of what communicates love to you and how are you more prone to to give it but how is your family more prone to receive it and you want to speak their language of love that's going to be really powerful so that's number two Find out their love language. Number three is to find common grounds. See, I'm telling you, just because they are our family member does not mean that we have to, to leave tact at the door. We have to be tactful when dealing with our family members. Just because you have a history with them and your relationship, it doesn't mean you, you should just like slip on, on the things that you say. Just because 
it's true doesn't mean we need to say it right now. Jesus said to his own disciples, there are many things. How many things? Many things that I have to tell you, but ye are not now able to bear it. I'm telling you, friends, one of the greatest things that separates us from our own family members is just being tactless. We're trying to, we're trying to shove the truth down their throat as they're babes in Christ and we're just trying to stuff bread down there but they need to be able to take the milk they need something that is palatable to them that they're ready at this time because it's not a matter of of how much you receive or what you get exposed to just because you tell them something doesn't mean they understood it they believed it or they'll do it it matters how you tell them and it matters when you tell them so be careful by doing what what is often referred to as like word vomiting just all over them and telling them all these different things that they need to change that they need to do and and freaking them out with all the the last day events and and what's going to be taking place and a lot of and like a lot of times we try to motivate our family with with like the fear of consequences and while fear by a motivation of fear might get you this far it's not going to get you Unless that motivation shifts, then it's not going to be a lasting motivation that God is looking for. God wants us to serve Him out of a loving willingness. That's why God doesn't control our heart, or our lives. He doesn't compel us to do anything. He doesn't use force. He has given us free will because God is a God of love. And to really only to experience love, it needs to be willing. It needs to be voluntary voluntarily given and by forcing people or making everybody obey God out of fear that's not going to be the motivation that God is looking for and um, so what I mean by finding common ground is look what are some things that you can agree on now that doesn't mean compromise you you don't want to compromise the truth and standards go you you never want to go anywhere that you cannot bring Jesus with you. If you don't picture Jesus coming with you to go to a bar, to a party, to a festival, to wherever the place may be, then don't go. You just respectfully decline. But when there are areas that you can have in common, some some innocent enjoyments or things, recreation you could do, experiences you can have, and to be able to talk about some, try to find things you're both interested in. And I understand that when you give your heart to Christ, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. There is um, a change of, of interest and a change of heart, a change of desire when we become Christians. But there is some way that we're able to connect with our family and it's through the common ground that builds trust. It's the common ground that builds confidence in each other. So as you win their confidence, you have to look at your family member not as a bird in the hands, per se, but as one, a precious soul whom Christ died for, that you need to win to Christ. These are people you can draw closer to you. But if you are cold if you stand off aloof, if you ignore them and isolate, and if you just treat them as though they're just like the, the center that is 
that you, you're just, you're, you're like, I'm better than you or I'm holier than thou, then it's going to be really hard to witness to your family members who don't know God when you're giving them, when you are the closest representation of God to them. So I want you to ask yourself, if you were in their situation and they saw your example, would you want to serve that kind of God? And if the answer is no, then see what, what would need to change in order to reflect Christ's character. What would you need to do different, be different, say differently in order to be kind, to reflect that character? I like Ephesians 4.32. It, there's a promise that says, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. This is our commission, and this is what God will strengthen us to do. So I'd love to know in the comment section, what are some other ways that you have found helpful when witnessing to your unbelieving family members? Leave it in the comments. Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. And um, if you like this video, then I encourage you to click like. Go check out our website, thearmyofyouth.com, because on there we have some powerful trainings. We have things that will help you to be able to share your faith with other people. We have more trainings like this. And, um, as, and share this video so that other people can know too. Now I'm going to teach you a song. This is a relevant song with this subject that I, I believe if you commit it to memory, if you sing this song, it will make a, a change in your heart. The next time that your family rubs you the wrong way or you're tempted, to step outside of Christ and reveal another spirit. You can sing this song, you can remember it, and God can bring it back to your remembrance. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, and Ephesians 5, 2. This is how it goes. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And if you would like to know four secrets to make your devotions irresistibly interesting, I encourage you to go to the link thearmyofyouth.com forward slash devotions and we will send you that free video that you can check out and it will transform your lives forever. And until next time, remember, you are the closest thing that many people have to Jesus. How are you representing him in your homes?